to the Meaningful Marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real life stories. Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Marketed Choice is a proud sponsor of the Meaningful Marketplace because we believe in the power of local craft makers to reinvent the way food and beverage products get to market in Oregon. Our vision is to inspire, mentor, support, and assist local producers to reach their fullest potential. For over 40 years, Marketed Choice has been supporting our local farmers, ranchers, fisher folk, and entrepreneurs. We believe that the way we source products has a positive ripple effect across our great state. That's why we are proud to offer over 7,000 local products to our stores and that the majority of them are purchases that support our local, robust, regional food system. (laughs) You're very chill today, Sarah. I like it. (laughs) Well, I listened, like I said, I listened to some of the shows and I was like, I was shouting and I was like... (laughs) I always feel like I'm on the mountain. I'm shouting. (laughs) I think it's because once we switch to headphones, we're like, it feels like you and I are far away from each other. So we're like, hello, Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) We have to like yell across the city now. I know. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Missoni and Marshall, a meaningful marketplace. Thanks for joining us as we hear the stories of female food entrepreneurs. We're glad you joined us today. We're still honoring social distancing and calling in for the show. Since we're a weekly radio show, we think it's important for us to be here with tips and love and discussion of stories and hope for all the maker friends out there. So we're here still doing it. So thanks for listening, everybody. (laughs) This is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce. And Sarah Massoni, part of Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center. Sarah, I see that you're back in the office today. How's that? It's my office is just how I left it on March 16th. I know. Is this this is your first day back at the Food Innovation Center, right? Well, don't. Yeah, I mean, kind of. It's kind not of. open to the public. I actually yeah. came in the back door because I didn't want anyone to know I was here. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could do that. <laughs> I know. Sneak in the back of my house. <laughs> I was actually thinking about the old house I grew up in St. Paul and um, the front door was like, you know, it gets really cold in Minnesota, right? Yeah. So I was thinking, we didn't really use the front door. We used the side door, like, all the time. So that's, that's kind of how I was feeling today. I was going in the back door of the <laughs> That's how the house I grew house. up in was, too. Nobody ever used the front door unless we didn't know them. Or it was, like, for somebody coming over for Thanksgiving or something. We always just used the side door. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you're sneaking in the back today. Yeah. Well, I... I saw on your Instagram something I wanted to ask you about, which was that you got some donuts from Makiko Donuts. Yes, I did. They were the mochi donuts, right? Yeah. And actually, I commented on somebody else's order and I was like, oh, I wish I could get some. You have such a long waiting list. 
So they must have put me on a list that they notified people if somebody decided not to get their donuts. Oh, cool. So I was like on the backup list. That's awesome. And so they're like, a. so are they rice? So they're, they're made with right? mochi flour, which is the um, same thing like um, mochi frozen ice creams kind of, but yeah. different. So it's sweet and chewy and yummy. Cool. And they're like a new local business or something. I hadn't heard of them until you posted. Well, um, they reminded me, I think that they had come to the Fridays at the FIC about, I want to say five years ago. Okay. And so they said, um, Dr. Masoni, we want you to try our donuts. We finally figured out what to do for our food business. And so I was like, yeah, I got to try them. Cool. And what'd you think? Tasty. Oh, good. They look very good. They, they look beautiful. Super good with a cup of coffee. Awesome. Well, that's cool. I just saw that you had tried something I hadn't seen before, which doesn't always happen. Usually I'm like, oh, yeah, there's one of our buddies. <laughs> but I hadn't seen that one. I know. It's kind <laughs> of like one of those pop-up. It's not really a pop-up. I don't know where they're actually making these donuts. but Yeah. We'll have to do a little research and tell everybody how to find them. <laughs> yeah. So well, you were out at Savi's Island yesterday. How'd that farmer's yeah, market Yeah, we did the farmer's market. It was great. I love it out there. You know, um, it's so beautiful. And it's... Um, everybody's getting really at the farmer's markets, everyone's getting really good at the social distancing thing. So it feels um, like customers are used to it. Shoppers are used to it. Vendors are used to it. So it it's, um, you know, it was really great and it's a wonderful setting on the farm. And I just brought Adeline and we ran around and Dirk actually worked. So I, I really oh, just nice. played on the island. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was great. Um, I do have some food news for today. So we kind of want to highlight people that are getting creative with live events. Um, so we have two events to tell you about. So Sarah and I have an event that we're doing and it's to raise money for the Equitable Giving Circle. And if you don't know about that organization, please look it up. It's a really awesome organization. They're feeding um, you know, different families and they're sourcing from local farms and you should really check them out. Um, we're doing a live interview that's hosted by the Portland Culinary Alliance. So that'll be um, July 16th. And then if you give a donation, the Portland Culinary Alliance matches that. So we really want to help to raise some money for this awesome organization. So if you can tune in and listen and donate either to this so that it gets matched or just go ahead and donate directly to the um, Equitable Giving Circle. We would love that. And you can find out more information at Portland Culinary Alliance. And then the other event that's happening is OMSI After Dark is hosting their first virtual event. Oh. And it's called the Zest Fest. Um, and, you know, I've done OMSI After Darks for years. I love them so much. So it's where the science museum opens up just for grown-ups to be there in the evening with cocktails and things. And so they always do this um, spicy one, but this one they're going to do virtually. So the cool thing about it is that if you buy a ticket, which is $50, you can pick up this um, this swag bag with spicy products from local makers. And then what? we're going to be on there and you can talk to us about what you're trying. So it's different hot sauces, different... I know um, all different uh, makers. I think there's 10 different makers. So the extra cool thing is that um, I have a ticket to give away. 
So if someone listens to this, that's not my family (laughs) and (laughs) you want to go, then go ahead and send me a message. Um, You can just do it through Instagram, Sarah Spicy Marshall. And I have one ticket to give away. And then you get that swag bag that you can pick up at OMSI. And even if you're not local, they will mail it to you. So um, just... If you want more information about the OMSI After Dark, it's going to be July 24th from 7 to 9. You register at OMSI.com or, um, you know, if you message me, I'll uh, forward that free ticket to you. So I'm pretty excited about it. I haven't done like a live event that I've done normally um, until this one. So we'll see how it goes. I think it'll be super fun. They have scientists on there explaining fun things and stuff. So I was one of the speakers at OMSI After Dark once. Oh, cool. Yeah, I love it. It's really fun. My favorite one is always the Halloween one because everyone wears the best costumes. <laughs> uh, if you are a food entrepreneur and you have a press release for us to announce, you can submit those at startupradionetwork.com. Any kind of news you want us to help spread, we will do our best. So send those to us. And we're not just here to talk about local events today. We're here to introduce you to our, our guest of the week. We're joined by Justine Reichman of Next Gen Chef. Justine, did I say your last name right? <laughs> it's perfect. Okay, good. I, I think there's a variety of ways to say it, and I'm not picky. Reichman, Reichman. Okay, well, usually I check before we go on the air, but I forgot to do that today. So, well, welcome to the show. Uh, Next Gen Chef is, this is a description I got off your website, but gives aspiring food business owners access to mentors and resources. Does that sound like a good description. Spot on. <laughs> okay. Spot on. I mean, we do more than that, but I yeah. think that's a good launching off point. <laughs> it's, it's a good starting point. Well, um, we're so glad that you can join us today and we want to help connect our listeners to you. So um, what's the best way to find you online through social media and such? So on Instagram, it's uh, nextgenchef, all one word. On Facebook, unfortunately, it's nextgenchef, three words. For some reason, they don't believe me that I'm Next Gen Chef, and that's me, all one word. But And LinkedIn, we're also at Next Gen Chef. Um, and then if anybody wants to connect and talk to me personally, uh, it's at uh, Justine underscore Reichman. So that's on Instagram. Perfect. Well, we will um, direct people that way. We'll also um, connect through um, our Instagram so people can find you. Um, and there's one more way to connect too. I can oh, tell okay. you about. Yeah. What is it? We, we just, <laughs> we just see, uh, quietly launched a new app called next gen chef and you, everyone uploads their profiles and my profile is up there and anybody can join it and anybody can directly text, email, or call me. That's cool. cool. So do you personally know the 1500 mentor executives that you have? Um, I do know. Of? I do. You do? I Well, up until now, I will say that I've had a conversation with each one of those people. Ooh, and that's great. I can, and, you know, there is an arsenal. I have an arsenal of all these resources. I will say that, you know, as a startup, we will grow. And as we get more food entrepreneurs that we have to connect people with, it's going to get harder and harder. So we're really trying to figure out how to scale that while really being able to make those significant matches because what's so unique about what we offer is that we connect people with people that really do have a tailored experience that they could share with them to build their business. 
Um, but, you know, as the team grows, we're going to get more mentors and people have their own relationships and it will help broaden our reach also and allow other people to help connect them within the group. That's wonderful. When, when I was reading uh, about your website and I, it was very easy to find the app and I thought that was really a cool thing. Um, but I, I was thinking your job is really to be like a matchmaker for aspiring and established business owners, right? I mean, you just are connecting people. Well, I wouldn't say just, but I would say yes to, yes, I connect people. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding with you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I didn't, I didn't mean to downplay what you do. I was just trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to give a good description. <laughs> I want to know I'm who taught you to connect people. Is that a family thing? Like, is your family known for connecting people? How did you learn that skill? That's a, that's a gift. It, you know, I would think it, I do think it is uh, from my family. I would say that if you look back to my grandfather's company, he located lost heirs and dormant shareholders, which probably sounds like a whole lot of gibberish to you. <laughs> I know. But when you just means, said that, I was like, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> yeah. What it means is, let's just say, you know, for, for, find a milestone, a bar mitzvah, a christening, whatever it is, where people give stocks, bonds, or something like that. Um, and they're given as gifts to kids and then they move far away and they don't fill out a proxy, we would find them to reconnect them with their money. So this is just an easy way of telling you what we did, right? <laughs> but he was always really good at finding all these people. And then my mother started her own business doing the same thing in New York because my grandparents were in Philadelphia. Um, and I would say that growing up in my family business, and being surrounded by entrepreneurs like my mother and my father, who taught me it's not what you know, it's how you surround yourself with the people around you that know everything. You don't. You just have to be good at what you're good at, but you got to find all the other people to support you and all the other stuff. And that really is the foundation of what I do. Yeah, that's really cool. How do you how do you find the different mentors and and mentees? Um, well, uh, some are from word of mouth. Some are through personal interest and in relationships that I've built. Um, some are through LinkedIn, some are through engagements and speaking engagements that I've done and places that I connect with and uh, provide our resources and our content to. Um, and then I also am part of the Founder Institute here on the, in the East Bay where I co-directed a cohort last year for social entrepreneurs. And they have a huge resource of mentors and being part of that allowed me to tap into that community as well. So as a startup, being part of the community both from both sides, as a mentor as well as entrepreneur, allows me to tap into a variety of people in different expertise. Hey, Sarah, do you think you and I should be mentors? <laughs> I know. I think we we have to apply. <laughs> Justine? <laughs> well, I, you know, I know somebody that, you know, can help you with the process. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can walk you right through it. You can help us. <laughs> yes. I think it sounds really cool. I mean, I hadn't... Um, you know, I hadn't heard of you before we, they, I'm not sure how you found our show. Um, but whoever booked you, I was, I was really excited to read about it. I mean, it sounds really cool. One of my favorite things to do is to help people at any stage, you know, that are, I get a lot of people that want to, um, you know, go move from like home canning into actually selling a product. So I have a lot of people that I try to help figure that stuff out, but it's, 
kind of one of my favorite things to do because I definitely I love to help people, you know, figure out their dreams. And, you know, a lot of a lot of people find us through the show and want to do that. So it seems like a pretty cool thing that you started to do it. What made you specifically focus on food businesses? Well, when I was, we were living in Mexico City for a couple of years um, because my partner, Tim, had a client there. And so when we went down for a wedding, they asked us to go for a meeting and one week turned into four, turned into, you know, four weeks, turned into a month, two months, et cetera. And while I was down there, obviously not able to work because I'm not a resident, right? Um, I wanted to get involved in the community. I made a lot of friends there started to connect with people. And one day as I was literally just running some errands and trying to speak my abysmal Spanish, this gentleman says to me, do you need help? <laughs> I'm like, yes, please. And we start talking and he asked me what I did. And um, I told him that I was doing some photography while I was there and I really wanted to get involved in the community and etc. And one thing led to another. And he told me that he worked with this with the CMR group, and they have a foundation called Fundacion CMR, which provides resources rather specifically around um, organic seeds and education so that people can grow organic uh, produce, have some for themselves, and enough to sell to make it self sustaining. And I love this idea. And I came up with then they then asked me if I'd come with them and to meet the community and share the community and see what it was all about. So two days later, they take me out to lunch because they owned the CMR group owns uh, the the franchise in Mexico City, Capital Grill and some other restaurants that I don't remember the names of. Um, and so we went there and they said, do you want to come? We'd love to introduce you. You can take some pictures because I was taking pictures at that point. It was really a hobby of mine that I'd always done. And they needed some new campaign photos. So long story short, I went with them after we switched from a little sports car to a big SUV to a trailer or whatever it was to get up the mountain where people changed from their stilettos to their Timberlands to walk up these mountains, where we then arrived to see people walking goats up a mountain um, and these little houses with people cooking foods, waiting for us to arrive so they could make their lunch for us with the produce that they grew there. I quickly came up with an idea to provide another revenue stream with them by using my pictures that I took of them and painting on them and doing a recipe contest because the food was so good and partnering with a great chef in Mexico City that had opened all the Jean George restaurants to use the recipe on his menu and give a portion of proceeds back to them. So in an order, in an effort not to make the story go on too long, that was successful. We created some bags um, that they sold and then created another revenue stream to get rid of the plastic for them. So fast forward, I come back to Marin and I said, okay, well, what am I going to do now? I'll have a, a recipe contest. And I got all these hobbyists. And that wasn't really interesting to me. I mean, I was happy to support hobbyists in the kitchen, but what I really wanted to do was make healthy food more accessible. And I wanted to support local ecosystems and building these food entrepreneurs and helping them find the resources and the education to make more informed choices to create greater access to healthy food. So I pivoted a little and from that contest, I then created a community where we brought in speakers that would help these food entrepreneurs 
learn a little bit about the food system, building businesses from marketing to legal to recipe development and connecting them with these mentors so that as they build their business, they have the access to the resources they might not otherwise have. And today, since the pandemic, we've moved all of our offline content, which was in-person, online. So we have content Monday through Thursday. And we just launched a new program called the Booster Table. And the Booster Table is where we work with founders that have put together pitch decks but are not really business plans to create those plans so that they're in a position to go pitch. And then we have an interim exec team that we provide to these teams if they need and we help get them out of the gate. And I would say that's our little superpower. That's what we love to do. And as a result, we take either a small equity or a revenue share so that we can hopefully build out a large fund of food entrepreneurs building better for you food businesses, creating greater access to healthy food and creating greater demand for better food systems. Wow. And I hope I didn't go on too long there. <laughs> Was that a mouthful or what? That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, you have a lot you have a lot of things that you're that you're doing and focused on. Um ha, so you're based in California, right? In Marin mm-hmm. County? Yes. And mm-hmm. is that who most of the people you work with uh, are they also based there or is it is it globally what where are your mentors well, and, and people you're mentoring I would say from. as I consider myself a global citizen being from New York and having lived in Mexico and and Paris and London our mentor our members and our mentors are global okay we connect people all over the world we actually are just launching our online talks to be on the European time zone with the EU so that we can connect the dots for people across the pond sharing the information, uh, creating uh, creating relationships that cross-pollinate and equally share things that are working elsewhere and not working here and giving people insight to grow their businesses on a global level. That's great. And really what I want to do is create a movement around the world where people just demand a better food system and have greater access. Yeah, some of the f- food-producing countries don't keep the food for their people. And I'd love to see that all communities have good food, not just the income from the food they produce, but actually good food for the people. Yeah, I would say that was one of the inspirations behind this community that I met with in Mexico City was that they were growing their own organic produce. So they had for themselves, but then they had enough left over to sell. So it was very self-sustaining. And it really resonated with me and was the it was the inspiration behind Next Gen Chef and where we are today. And when did you start the company? Is it something that's new or has it been evolving? It's been evolving over the last almost two years. Oh, cool. And you're, you're actually our first guest that has had an app before. So I had questions about that because, (laughs) um, because is it, is it challenging to design your own app? Like, what is that process like? We've never had anyone on that had one. (laughs) Well, um, so we did not, I mean, designing an app, there's a lot of different ways to do it, right? You can use a white label solution. You could build it from the ground up. As a startup that is self-funded, we did not necessarily have the resources to go build one from scratch. So we found a good solution that works for us. 
Will we outgrow it? Maybe. At the, in the meantime, though, it's working great for us. And it allows us to use our own palette. It allows us to have access to the, the back end, the admin side, so that we can update it as we see fit and we don't have to rely on a developer. You do have to work within you know, their model and what it looks like. So there's only so much customization that you can do, but I think ours looks great and I'm very happy with it. People seem to find the functionality really easy, accessible. They are, because they're a new company too and they're a startup, Every month they're adding new resources for us, new things that we can add. I think in the next month, we're gonna be able to add a marketplace and also replace our Calendly function with our own calendar function on the app where people can schedule meetings, et cetera, through the app. So it's been great. I would say that because we used a solution that already existed, it was a lot easier than having to come and diagram it from the beginning. Yeah. And that that's a startup company that you that you work with. Well, it's a it, they they've been around for a couple of years, but they they're a new company, um, and I'm happy to share with you the name. It's called Incapture, and they work with a lot of smaller businesses, event driven businesses, real estate companies, and alike. They're out of Armonk, New York, and they did a great job with our app. We're really happy with both the design, the service, and the reliability of it. Cool. Well, I just um, thought, I mean, I just think it's an interesting thing because as everybody everybody's stuff starts to change, I mean, sometimes we have people on the show that don't even have a website yet. So it's like when, when, they have set, when they've built something great, we want to um, kind of share those resources with everybody. But I just thought it was a really cool aspect of your business that you had developed. So good job. Thank you. Thank you. Well, cool. one of the things that you won't see on there, but we're working on it is if you download the app and you upload your picture, you'll see some people have uploaded their pictures and some people haven't. Like it's there, they come across as incomplete, but I encourage everyone to upload a picture and complete the profile. I, you can then favorite whoever you want. You can send out emails to them. You could text them. You can connect directly with them without me having to make an intro. And all of our mentors have agreed to this when they've signed on to the app. So they, they know that if you're part of the Next Gen Chef community, that you might get a text from these people. Our, our community, though, is very specific in, in the terms, in the sense that everyone is all about building a better food system. It's not in some way, shape, or form, whether they're in health, wellness, uh, food tech, ag tech, any of that. Um, and what we are building is also, we're going to have another experience there where mentors can text directly with each other in a group so that it's kind of like, what do you call the, um, oh, I forget, like a chat board, like a chat room or, mm -hmm. you know, a, a board where people can go and ask questions and chat with each other. And we'll have it for the mentors as well as the members so cool. that people who are seeking resources or having problems can post a question, can email each other. And it's really specific to this community. It's not like you're asking uh, for a chef and all these people are in fashion, right? Mm -hmm. You know, everybody here has been there. They're all in the same group. They all have the same, a similar mission, whether they don't all have to meet all of our guidelines, but we work to support businesses that are working to create local, healthy, regenerative, accessible food. 
So to be part of it, they really have to have the same set of kind of core values. Yeah, at least one are are working towards them. Yeah, I like that. Because not everybody's going to meet all of them all the time. And you don't have to be certified organic to be organic. And in this day and age, I think it's important to know that there are companies that are organic but are not certified and what that means. And that some of those products can be just as good or even better. Yeah, we agree. <laughs> yeah, because it's just—it's really expensive for startups to go through that certification process. We'll take a quick break, and we want to come back and hear about um, some of your favorite client stories. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of the Meaningful Marketplace. Committed to serving all Oregonians with the mission to advance the science that lives at the crossroads of conservation and production. We are inspired by the creativity of food innovation, new economic opportunities, and new experiences. Because food brings people together. I wanted to ask how you incorporate eating right as a human right with everything that you do. Um, How do I incorporate it? Well... I incorporate it as a, a way to think, a way to consider how you're thinking about food. And that because I want to support a movement around the world to build a better food system, it's my feeling and my hope that eating right is and should be a human right. And we should just have access to it. And it's really about education. And so by providing the access to the education, and the information, hopefully, at some point, everyone will be able to have the same access and abilities to have healthy food. Yeah, um, we. I was just having a discussion with some one of our future guests, which are called the um, the farm punks. We're going to have them on in a couple of weeks, but they were kind of saying this thing too, like if we could change our thought process a little bit about um, you know because they're farmers, so they're growing food and they're donating mm-hmm. a lot of the food they don't sell to these different food pantries and stuff. But then their thought was, why are we just donating the stuff that's about to go bad to the food pantries when we really want? those are the people that need the healthiest, freshest food. Mm -hmm. So they kind of switched it a little bit, you know, and they're like, no, this stuff that we're harvesting today right now is going to be for these people that need the best food. And then, you know, we'll sell less, but we will have less waste, you know? So it's like kind of Mm -hmm. just switching how they think about it, which I thought was really cool. That is cool. Yeah, that is cool. And I think more and more, we're going to see that people are changing their thought processes around this. This is just where I'm starting from. My starting point is that I think that a lot of people make choices, not necessarily because they know why, but either because they're just told it's better or some people just do it based on price. And Mm -hmm. I think that what should really dictate our choices is understanding fundamentally what's going into it. And price, I hope, will be driven down by the great demand for the healthier food at some point. Yeah. Can you tell us a story about one of your successes? Uh, Sure. Okay. Yeah. um, I mean, we, as a new startup, I would say that our successes, we get in spurts and and little wins here and there all the time. Um, But I will say that we have a Clover, it's called Clover Caramels. And what they do is they make CBD infused caramels. And instead of using corn syrup, they use honey. Um, 
And when he joined NextGen Shaft, because he wanted to build a company that was healthier and provided uh, an alternative solution to taking some medication for some issues that he had talked about, not necessarily personal to him, but other people had mentioned, um, and creating a healthy solution, he also wanted to be sustainable. And through NextGen Chef, he was able to find a place to sell his product. He was able to connect with other like-minded individuals to brainstorm and share and get feedback on product. And he was able to make some sales. So that was really exciting. When I first met him, he the packaging wasn't done. The branding wasn't complete. Um, he had samples, but they were just in the in the plastic wrap. So he's come a long way. And being part of Next Gen Chef, if you look at our app, you'll even see we talk about him um, in our about section. And you know, the greatest thing that he always says to me was that he was able to connect with like-minded individuals. He was able to connect with the resources he needed. He was able to test out the product um, and then get distribution, which he did not have access to those things before. So it really got him off the ground. So that's one success story. Yeah, I talk about this on the show all the time. But when it, when you're a small business owner, you're you're really alone a lot and you're making all these decisions by yourself. And you don't, if you don't have a team of people that you're working with, you don't even have anybody to talk to about it. So having that kind of community that you can connect with is really important. So I think it sounds like that's what happened for him. I mean, he needed someone other than himself <laughs> to, exactly. to connect with. So it's a really nice way for that to happen. Yeah, I think it's, it's less isolating. It also helps you get where you want to go just a little bit faster. Yeah, it that's, can be. That's what we help facilitate too, because it is isolating and you are doing all the research yourself and you're relying on your own instincts and your own connections. But being part of a community allows you to pick people's brains, share resources, collaborate, innovate, and get there quicker, as, as I said. Yeah, that's great. I, I was reading too about um, your commitment to local farms and farmers markets and food systems. And I think that um, is all things that, you know, come up as themes on our show all the time with our guests. Like the, there are people that those things are really important to them. And I, and I think that your organization is a good place for people, if that's what you care about, to, to go to that way, you know, because mm -hmm. sometimes it's not. Sometimes people are like, I just want to make a lot of food really cheaply and make a lot of money. <laughs> so the different, a different app might be important for them. But I think like for the people where they're, they're really focused on food systems and values and things, this is a good place for them to go. One of the things Definitely. I've been noticing lately on my Zoom calls, you get a really intimate, I mean, direct view of people's faces when they're talking about their food ideas. And I think People just love to be able to talk about their food in great detail. And so not <laughs> everyone wants to talk about food in great detail. Um, and so that's I all I want to do. It's like totally food nerd <laughs> stuff. So that's pretty exciting that you're matching people up with mentors that, that would have the same kind of interests. I, I think so. I'm excited and I'm happy to do it. And I, every time I hear about a new connection, I'm super happy because I can hear the, the passion in their voice. I can hear the enthusiasm because they found somebody else that's as excited as they are about what they're working on. And yeah. for a founder, you know, you're, you are the inspiration, right? 
Um, mm-hmm. So when you hear people share their enthusiasm and excitement for what you're doing, it's infectious. And you, you have a lot of pride in that. And there's a lot of hope. So I think that that helps feed them as they're building their business independently. Yeah. And it sounds like you come from kind of a family of, of entrepreneurs and business owners, and we have a lot of listeners who are kind of aspiring business owners. Do you have any advice for people that are thinking about starting a food business? I would say that my advice in general around starting a food business or any business is, you know, to really focus on what it is, you know, and what you want to do and surround yourself with the experts in the, that can help you get there. You have your own superpower, but it's really important to recognize all the other places that you need resources to be able to get it out of the gate. And you too can do it. I don't know how to do everything, but I do know how to surround myself with the experts in the industry to make sure that I can, because I have a very clear vision. Yeah, I think I think that's great advice. I I always think it's so important to you of course know what you're good at. Anybody that's starting a business, you know why you're starting that business. But I think it's equally as important to know what you're the worst at and then <laughs> find somebody to help you with that, you know. I definitely agree with that. I yeah. definitely agree. I mean, but, my the idea of doing taxes is just not Oh yeah. <laughs> do on Wednesday, you know. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. "What? I need an but, accountant for that." <laughs> But for people that are accountants and that are good at that, they love that stuff. Like they're they like, do. come to me. I love it. I want to do all of it. And so it's like, you just need to find those people that that have the skills that you don't have. So I think anytime you're evaluating what it is your plan is, you have to look at yourself and figure out if you're going to run this business, what are you the worst at? And get those people <laughs> on your side. It's, true. <laughs> to- it's, it's really true though, because, and that's what we're doing specifically we have two companies that have come to us, one that's doing a prepared foods company. And I don't want to share on, you know, without their consent, but so they have a new prepared food company and it's different and it's a really great idea. And she's young and she's passionate. And the one, and she came to me saying, oh my God, I need all these resources. I don't know how to do this social media. I don't know how to do scaling. I don't know how to do supply chain. And so what do we do? We're putting together that team for her, for the interim, to help get her out of the gate, to make the plan, to build the business plan so that she can then help find those people that will be more permanent, but at least help her figure out what it looks like so she can build it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Justine, if you started a food business, what would your food product be? Oh, that's an interesting question. I thought about that a while ago and I got, it was around Thanksgiving and I made a cranberry sauce which was really like a chutney and then I was inspired to make all these different kinds of chutneys with fresh herbs and no sugar because I don't like sugar uh, or I don't like refined sugar so I made a variety of chutneys it was called chutney and relish but I don't know that I would do that for the long term it was certainly fun for the short term did you give it away to your friends and family I did. Yeah, um, and I actually had a couple stores uh, that were willing to uh, buy it, of course. I just went to go see. But this was a, a f- this is like six, seven years ago. And it was before the cottage laws and it was before all these things. And there were a whole lot of things that I did not know what I needed to do back then. <laughs> so it's better that I gave it away, didn't sell it. And lucky that nobody got sick. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's always good to um, practice on your family, but you should <laughs> do it safely, of course. Of course. I do, do you, love to cook, though. Justine, do you connect with the local state university when you have food science-related questions? Yeah, I, I connect with some of them. There's a couple of people on the East Coast, one out of Princeton, um, and then a couple of people out of Stanford that I've been connected with when I do have those questions. But I'm, I'm constantly looking for mentors specifically related to food science to bring on board for some of our innovators to be able to connect them as well. Uh, not just for us as we're building white papers and doing research and stuff like that, but for our food entrepreneurs as they're building their businesses and their products. Yeah, because I think each state has different kind of rules and regulations. Of yeah, what to in California, do, so. you have UC Davis. There's a ton of food scientists there. Mm-hmm. Yes, there are. Uh, UC Davis, we have some from Stanford. Um, I'm trying to think. We have a bunch. We have a couple, but we're always looking for more because we find that people have different expertise as well. Yeah. Well, Justine, we only have a couple minutes left. So is there anything else you want to tell our listeners about Next Gen Chef? Um, Well, I hope that they will join the community, take advantage of some of our talks. I'd be happy to tell you a little bit about that, just the kind of content that we're bringing to our food entrepreneurs, which no knows bounds. Uh, We are accessible um, to everyone. We are putting together these lunch and learns where people can connect with mentors. And it's kind of like a talk show or a radio show where people come on through Zoom and learn a little bit more about a specific topic and how that relates to them. We give them access to these mentors to get to know them in an informal way. They can share questions through the comment board on our app. And then we have one-on-one office hours on Thursdays that they can find time with and secure time with so that they can have a little bit more of an in-depth conversation. So that's Tuesdays and Thursdays. Wednesdays, we do a lot of Next Gen Chef talks. Um, We have a table talk on food and sustainability and the impact of food on fashion and all sorts of other uh, kinds of industries um, and areas because food in itself is impacting so many different trends and from fashion to farming to, I mean, farming is obviously part of it, but to a whole slew of other things and the way people are living today. So it's a bit of a big conversation and we're investigating and talking with lots of people about that each week. So we do have that. And if you are a new business and you are looking for support of our booster table or interim exec team, we'd love to connect you with mentors and resources to help you build that. So you can find us at Next Gen Chef on the website. You can find us on the app at Next Gen Chef, Facebook, Instagram, and I'm Justine at Next Gen Chef. So always accessible and look forward to hearing from fellow entrepreneurs out there. And for people to um, access those weekly chats and, and, and classes and things like that, is that usually done through Zoom or is it through the app? Like how would they sign up for those kinds of things? So they can sign up through the app. We have a list of upcoming events. Uh, we do these events either through Zoom or through that new app that I told you about, Fiesta. And we 
if you sign up early, we have a certain amount of free tickets that we give out. They go quickly, but I'm letting you know the sooner you sign up, the easier it is to get a free ticket. But that being said, we try to make it accessible. They range in price from five to $20. So it's pretty affordable and accessible. And if anybody was to ever email and say that they had a hardship or could not make that, we would obviously give them a ticket. We're not looking to make this something you can't attain. Uh, we are looking to build it and make it a viable, you know, a scalable company for us, but we really want to make all the information very accessible to everyone that wants it. That's I'm, great. Yeah, I'm sure that's appreciated to all these small startups. <laughs> the money is spread <laughs> thin when you're trying to start a new business, as you know. Boy, that's the truth. <laughs> I, I know. That's why we try to encourage everyone to do it in advance. Yeah. Uh, that's why that's we great. put those out there. I love that. I hope you guys will join us for, we have every, even on Mondays, twice monthly, we do mix it up Mondays where we bring on a regenerative brand. Um, It could be a mocktail or it could be a cocktail. It could be some sort of wine. And we have somebody that mixes up and does some music. We either have somebody doing live music or a live DJ, or we had somebody from the Philharmonic in New York come on. And it's a chance to learn about a regenerative brand. It's a chance, sometimes it's about alcohol, sometimes it's about creating a mocktail and listening to music and connecting with other people because right now through the pandemic, it's so hard to connect. We're all so separate, we're all so isolated. And every time I turn up for these Mix It Up Mondays, I feel like I've been transported to somebody else's living room or bar or cafe. Mm chatting with friends, listening to music and having a mocktail or cocktail. So it's really nice. Um, And those are just every other Mondays. So I think that sounds really great. And I'm glad that we could um, connect with you today and hear about your business. Um, You know, like I said, this was the first time that I'd heard about it. And it sounds really like a great resource for all of these people, especially our listeners out there who are trying to do it on their own. Like, I think it's so important for people to have someone that they can they can ask questions to and connect with. So I'm really glad that you started this company. It sounds awesome to me. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I hope if any of your listeners are interested or want our support, they'll email us or connect with us because we'd love to hear from them. That's a great offer. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure. Market of Choice is Oregon's largest independent family-owned grocery store. With 10 stores in Oregon, it's all about choice. We focus on having a wide selection of the finest and freshest conventional, natural, organic, local, and health-conscious products. We have more than 1,300 teammates, including real, authentic chefs, bakers, butchers, cheesemongers, florists, and more. We all strive to create an authentic, relaxing, and enjoyable shopping experience with our customers and truly care about the communities where our teammates and our customers live and work. To find the Market of Choice nearest you, visit our website at www.marketofchoice.com. At Market of Choice, we buy local, so you can too. We record Masoni and Marshall live weekly. You can tune in Fridays at startupradionetwork.com or you can listen to past episodes searching for The Meaningful Marketplace on iTunes and Stitcher. Thank you to our audio engineer, Alon, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you want to be a guest on the show, you can send us a message on Instagram or you can contact us through startupradionetwork.com and we will be back next week with more stories. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye for now.
Bye. Committed to serving Oregonians with the mission of advancing science that lives at the crossroads of conservation and production, Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are inspired by the creativity of new food development. We strive to find new flavors, new economic opportunities, new experiences, and honor diversity. We are proud sponsors of the Meaningful Marketplace because good food brings people together. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen. Learn. Launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.